0: What a great gift that is, right? That God uh, pours out His living water on us. He gives us His Son who is living water for us. Beautiful gifts that God gives to us. Thanks for being here. I want to say good morning to our friends who are in the family room today. Glad to see you guys next door. Yeah, a little hand for our friends in the family room. You guys in the family room are giving uh, like a hand for us as well, right? Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Hey, some things that are going on this week. Before we look into Scripture, let me tell you some stuff that's coming on. School starts this week. Wow. Well, I don't even have kids at home. Why do I care? I'm trying to help you out. All right. Well, whatever. No, hey, here's the deal. We learned this a, a few years ago that if you have kids who are in blitz this Uh, this last summer in June, uh, one of the great things to do on first day of school is have your children wear their Blitz shirt to school because there may be other kids from Lakeside that are in their class and they'll never know it. Maybe Maybe they come on Saturday and your kid comes on Sunday and they don't know each other, but if they wear their Blitz shirt, they're like, oh, I got a connection. That's cool. So maybe that'll help. So that's coming up this week. And if you don't care, fun. You guys care in the family room, right? Yeah, see, thank you. Nice. Uh, so, what else is coming this week? This Thursday and Friday, here in the auditorium, we're going to have about 600 people, most of, or many of whom are from Lakeside, most of whom, of whom will be from outside of our church, all gathering together for this thing called the Leadership Summit. And uh, by and large, they're uh, Christ followers who are saying, How do I get better as a leader? And we believe that every time a leader gets better, a church gets better. And every time a church gets better, a community gets better. So we've got all these people coming in. We've got great speakers coming on. It's going to be fantastic. If you haven't signed up yet and you still want to, there's still time. You can go to lakesidechurch.com and get, uh, get connected to that and uh, come and join us for that. Some of you can't make it. You've got to work or things are going on like that, so you can't make it uh, to the Leadership Summit. Can I just enlist you all to participate in some way? Uh, if you're coming, you'll do this anyway, but if you're not coming to the Summit, if you would just commit to pray for all of those people that come that they would get better as leaders so that our world gets better because people are leading better. If you'll just pray for us on Thursday and Friday and through this week, that would be a really, really helpful thing. Okay? And then we've added something to the leadership summit agenda this year. We we don't get to leave and go on a road trip for this conference because it's right here at Lakeside, which is a great privilege. But we thought let's add a road trip experience to that. So we've added some events. Before the summit, uh, on Wednesday night, then on Thursday and Friday morning, Thursday and Friday night, some great things are coming up uh, around town, largely down in the Sutter Street area, Old Folsom. We've got some things that are happening. So some of our staff are going to be doing some seminars and workshops about leadership. So those will be some fun things to go to, some helpful things, I believe. Uh, uh, we've got some local leaders from our community who are going to do some workshops about leadership. So for example, Jeff Baer who is a lakesider. He is also the general manager at Folsom Lake Toyota, and he's going to talk about leadership at his workshop. Going to be really helpful. We've got Debbie Bettencourt, who's the superintendent of schools in Folsom Cordova School District. She is connecting with Sawa Kasabian, who's a lakesider, who is uh, the leader of Folsom's Hope, and they're going to have a workshop together talking about how schools and churches can connect to help love our children. Beautiful, beautiful thing that's going to happen, so that's coming up this week at Summit Underground, and then we've got some entertainment things that are coming, comedy night, we got a, we got a Johnny Cash tribute band coming, things like that, a lot of great stuff, and you can find all about it, the schedule and everything at summitunderground.com, and uh, get connected to some of that, participate where you want to, you don't have to be involved in the Leadership Summit to come to Summit Underground, and uh, so come and check it out, and join with us for that. Good, any questions? Yeah, Good. Any questions in the family room? Ask Steve Wright. He'll help you out. Okay, good. All right. Hey, let's pray together. Then we'll look into scripture. Okay. Father in heaven, you're good to us all the time and we're grateful for that. You are working for good in our lives and we're grateful for that. And you have written your book to lead us and to guide us in the path you want us to be on. So as we open it up today, I pray that you would open up Uh, our hearts to you so that we would hear from you and we would learn from you and you would shape us today. Lord, thank you for these things. We love you. Amen. Okay, so if you're visiting with us today, you're a guest with us today, or you're fairly new at Lakeside, let me just kind of tell you where we've been. We've been taking the summer and talking about this book of the Bible called Romans. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome 2,000 years ago And we have found over the years that it's not just a book that's helpful to people that lived 2,000 years ago. It's helpful to us very much today, very relevant, very pertinent to us today. And so we're walking through. And as we've gotten to chapter 8, which is where we are again this morning, when we got to chapter 8, we found out that there's a lot of groaning going on. And we found out that in creation, creation groans because of all the struggle and all the wait for redemption and for the renewal of creation to happen, there's groaning that's going on. And then Christ followers, we ourselves, because our redemption isn't fulfilled in our body yet, we groan. And then you'll find out in a few minutes that the Spirit of God actually groans for us on our behalf. So there's all this groaning going on. And I thought, you know, just kind of getting ready for dinner, I thought, well, maybe maybe you're not really grasping that. Maybe you're not really getting it. So I thought we should practice groaning. So I'd like to take this section right here, and I'd like just without any warning or heads up, I'd like you to just groan. Go ahead. How'd they do? Can you do better? Your section is half the size. Can you do better? Or right, let's have a groan right here. That was like a ghost story was being told or something. Freaked me out a little bit. All right. How about you guys on this wing? Can you groan? (laughs) Pretty good in the front row, but no groaners in the back. Not, not. Huh. Okay, you guys in the family room, can we hear you groan? I don't know what that was like. I don't know what you're trying to say, but. I'm sure you did a good job because I know you. So that's cool. All right, okay, everybody else, you feel left out because you didn't get to groan. So anybody who hasn't gotten to groan yet so far this morning, go ahead. Oh, thank you for that. That one felt heavy, like, like somebody over here where well, that was real. That was a real heavy groan, and that's kind of what that's kind of what groaning feels like. It's heavy. It's because things are heavy in our lives. Things are heavy in our uh, relationships sometimes. Sometimes things are just heavy in our soul, and there's this groaning that goes on, and it's actually heavy. We, left, we live in a messed up, bogged down, bad news world, and so we groan. And sometimes we ask, when we think about that, we ask the question, or maybe people around us ask the question, if all this bad stuff is happening, If all these disasters are going on, whether it's global disasters or national disasters or personal disasters, if all these disasters are going on, what good is God doing? I mean, I have friends who are not followers of Christ and they see what goes on in my life or in other Christ followers' lives or in their own lives. And sometimes they just, they stop and they'll ask a question that's sort of like, well, what good is God doing? in this world. What, God, what good is God doing in your life? What good is he doing? If you have your Bible, I want to see what good God is doing. I want to show you this today. So take your Bible out if you have one and find Romans chapter 8. If you don't have a Bible, you can use your smartphone Bible, or you can use one of the Bibles that we have on the chair next to you. That's cool. Or you can just listen. Your choice. Romans chapter 8. Listen to this, starting at verse 26. This is from the Apostle Paul. He says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Have you ever been 828? 828? So if you're a follower of Jesus, you may have seen this happen, and you, you, you may have 828-ed somebody else, which I'm going to encourage you not to do, but to be 828-ed is to take verse 28 in Romans chapter 8, so Romans eight twenty eight, and drop it on somebody. See, what happens is someone who's a follower of Jesus, who's got a well-intentioned heart, but not always real square on what's going to be encouraging to somebody else, they'll find out that trouble has landed in your life. They'll find out that something bad came into your life, something painful came into your life, and they'll walk up to you with a a faith-filled heart and a little bit of a glib smile, and they'll just drop one of these on you. Hey, you know, it's okay because God works everything together for good. I mean, you you just broke your leg skiing? That's all right, because God works everything together for good. You just found out that your mother has cancer. It's all right. God works everything out for good. And they drop the mic, and they walk away like, I did my thing. I gave comfort. I gave encouragement. That's what God says to do. It's right there in the book. You've been 828-ed. And I'm pretty sure in the history of the scriptures, nobody has ever appreciated being 828-ed. Because it sounds good from the person it's coming from, but it never sounds good to the person who's receiving it. And yet God put it in the Bible like it's true. And I want to understand what that looks like. Look at 828 again. Paul says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God works. Let's just stop with that. Or let's start with that. God works. In all things, God works. God is active. God is engaged in your life. Sometimes you look at God and you go, man, he is distant from me. He's far from me. I'm not catching on with him. In all things, Paul says, God works. Now, he doesn't say this in the, in the translation that we use in the church Bibles here at Lakeside in the New International Version. It doesn't say it this way, but the word that Paul used when he said God works is literally a word that means God works together. The New American Standard Translation says, God, we know that in in all things, God works together for good. It's like, well, works together for good. That doesn't make sense. Works together with whom? Works together with what? Well, let's just say something bad's going on in your life. Let's say something hard is going on in your life. God works together with that hardship for good. God works together with your circumstances for good. And with whom? Well, when those tough things land in your life, God works together with you for good. God works together with others who are in your life for good. You don't walk this life alone. You don't just live alone. God puts you together with other people. He surrounds you with other people. And and maybe they're not even followers of Jesus yet, but God works together with them for good in your life. God works Together. He brings things together for good. For our good. It's a word that means God generously works for us. God works with generosity toward us in our lives. And it leads to beauty. And you can look at your situation right now and go, it's not beautiful right now. No, but that good that God is working is leading toward beauty. That's what the word implies. God generously working toward beauty in our lives. And he says God works that stuff in all things. We know that in all things. It's fascinating to me that nobody has ever 828-ed me when something good happened to me. You know, like, like I don't know, I, I got married and they, they're like, oh, God works all things together for good which maybe they think it wasn't all that cool that I got married. I, I don't know how that goes. Or, you know, I just had a grandson. Oh, God works all things together for good. I'm like, I don't need that because it's good. It's already good. People drop the 828 bomb when it's hard, when it's bad. But Paul said God works together in all things. God is, God is using the best things in your life, and he's, and he's using them for good. And God takes the worst things in your life, and he's working them for good. our challenge is to figure out what that looks like, to figure out what that means. Good idea to memorize Romans eight I'm always trying to get you to learn more verses, right? Learn more of the scripture. Learn, learn this one. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Learn that. And then when When good times come into your life, drop that bomb on yourself. And when bad things come into your life, when hard things come into your life, say that one to yourself. I promise it'll sound a lot better coming from you than from someone else. And then once you've memorized it, never drop it on somebody else. Because it won't feel good. And speaking of good, let's figure out what the good is. So God's being generous to us, and God works for beauty in us. But what's the good that God wants to do? See, I think Christ followers often get confused about the good that God wants to do in our lives. I'm pretty sure, I mean, I've been growing in this, so I'm, I'm getting closer to this, but I'm pretty sure that my natural, normal definition of good differs from God's. I define good as that which makes me happy. Peppermint ice cream is good all the time. Day or night, breakfast or dinner. doesn't matter. It's just good. Just, you see, it's just good by definition. But well, I don't think that's how God really defines good. Things that make me happy like baseball or my family, my grandson, all the, those things, they're, they're good. I, they're just good. Isn't that how God defines good? So, well, it must not be because... I never define good by hard things. I never look at the tough stuff in my life and go, that was good. So God must define it differently than I do. And how would I know how God defines it? How would I know what good is from God's definition? And if God's going to define it, wouldn't it be wise for me to learn his definition? Well, if you ever want to understand something from Scripture, there are interpretation rules. Like this is, if you follow these rules, you learn to understand Scripture well. And these these rules apply to all kinds of literature, to all kinds of communication. It doesn't matter what kind of commu- communication it is, not just like holy literature. Any literature, any communication is understood through certain rules. And rule number one in interpreting any kind of communication is what's the context. You ever have you ever heard of a politician say something stupid? Sorry, I used the S word. I know some of you are not teaching your kids not to say that. But, you know, have you ever, have you ever seen that happen? Yeah, it happens. And then what's the politician do? They, they're like, no, no, no. They put a little disclaimer on No, no, no. I was taken out of context. And a lot of times, I think they're just trying to sneak out the side door. But sometimes I've seen the context that their words were taken from, and someone actually just took their words, lifted them out of context, put them on social media, and everyone got mad at the politician. Because context matters. And when you come to the Bible, if you ever want to understand it, you have to not just take verses like we do with 8.28 and go, boom, there it is. You've got to just not take verses, but you've got to take passages. And you have to consider context so that you'll understand what's being said. So let's look at the context of Romans 8.28. The context goes all the way through the letter to the Romans, but let's just start back at verse 18. The context says suffering is going on. He says, suffering's coming for all of us. And he says in verse 19 and beyond that, he says, creation groans because of the suffering that's going on. And then you look down into verse like 23 and you find out that not only does creation groan because of the suffering that's going on, but we as Christ followers groan because of the suffering that's going on. Then you look down into verse 26 and you find out the spirit of God groans because of the suffering that's going on. And then you come to this verse where it says, look, God works all things together for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. You go, really, with all that suffering, with all that groaning, God's doing something for good? What is that? Keep going. See, the story's not over in verse 28. It goes on to verse 29. Listen to this. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And there's context for Romans eight twenty-eight. Now, some of you are going to get all. Some of you are going to get all excited. Like, oh, we're talking about foreknowledge now, and now we're talking about predestination. Come on, Pastor Brad, give us a little bit of predestination. No. No, I, I'll tell you what, my, the next section of my book that I'm writing to go along with Romans is coming out later this month. And I got a little piece on predestination there. But here's just a little bit of what he's talking about. He's not talking about some grand scheme of predestination. He's just saying, look, I know those who love me. I have known ahead of time who was going to love me. That's, that's what he talks about. He, he works all things together for good for those who love him. He goes, he goes I know, I've known that you would love me. And based on his foreknowledge, he said, and I I predestined something to happen to those people who love me. It's this. I predestined them to be conformed to the image of my son. I've designed it so that they will become conformed to the image of my son. And that's how God defines goodness. Goodness. God defines goodness in your life. If you're a follower of Jesus, he says, the best thing I could ever do for you is help you to be like Jesus. In all the hard things that come into your life, in all the beautiful things that come into your life, the best thing I could ever do for you is to work so that you would become like Jesus, that you would have a family resemblance to Jesus. I mean, that's what he says, right? So that you would be conformed to the image of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. God wants to develop a family, relation, a, a family resemblance between you and Jesus. Some of you have been to a family reunion this summer, right? Anybody? Yeah, don't be shy. I'm not going to make you come up here and talk about it. It's all, it's all right. You know, it's, anybody over here? Come on, I've seen you on Facebook. I know you've been going to family reunion. I know you're, I know you're nervous. He's going to make me come up there. All right, some of you have, some of you have, all right. And some of you, some of you have ever been to a family reunion? Oh, oh, ever, okay, good. Not just, just, it's not happening that much this summer. You guys do it on the odd years. I don't know. When you go to those family reunions, do you ever see someone who looks familiar? So, it's so weird. I mean, you're like, oh, sure, they look familiar. They're part of family. Familiar is family. Oh, sure, they look like family. Do you ever crash anybody else's family reunion? And then you look around and you go, they all look the same. Don't they? I mean, check out these ladies. Those girls are from the same family. They look the same. How about these? How about these two? Those guys look like they came from the same mother. But they did not. How about these two? Yeah, I know what you're thinking. Don't go there. How how about this one? (laughs) I'm sorry, that was just for grins. That just makes me laugh. (laughs) So I put it in. (laughs) God is working in all things to create a family resemblance between Jesus and you. And when the best moments come in your life, God wants to use that moment. He wants to work together with that moment so that there becomes a a greater family resemblance between Jesus and you. And when the bad things come into your life, when the hard spots come into your life, doesn't matter if they're financial work-related, political, if they're emotional, if they're relational, it doesn't matter where they come from. God wants to work in all things. In fact, God does work in all things to build a greater family resemblance between Jesus and you. That's what he wants. And that's good. The challenge with that is you cannot become more like Jesus apart from suffering. I wish that weren't true. I wish that was just not true. I wish you could, I wish you could just become just straight up like Jesus because your life was a big, happy roller coaster ride all the time, like an amusement park all the time, peppermint ice cream all the time, and you'd be just like Jesus. But that's not how it works. It's why God works together in all things to shape us to be conformed to the image of Christ. in the good good things and the not so good things. You cannot become like Christ without suffering. Why not? Because Christ suffered for you. Christ left heaven and came to earth to die on a cross for you. He suffered for you. And you cannot become like him apart from suffering. Now, I'm not saying that you have to have suffering every second of your life. That's silly. But God works together in all things to shape us to be like Jesus, both the good and the not so good. Now, for me, that's disturbing because I avoid suffering every chance I get. I do not lean into suffering. So how am I going to get through it? When God When God brings suffering in, or even if God's not the cause of it, but suffering comes into my life and then God chooses to use it, how am I going to get through that? Because I don't like pain. I don't like loss. I don't like suffering. How am I going to get through that? Again, God's working something good in you, then check out the context so you find out what it's about. So go backwards up from verse 28, jump up to verse 26. Here's what God says in verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. He goes, in the same way. I'm like, well, what's the same way? Well, now you gotta go farther back in the context, but you find out it's all about groaning. In the same way that creation groaned. In the same way that Christ followers groaned. groaned, In the same way the Spirit of God groans for us. He prays for us. The Spirit of God prays for us. When suffering comes into our lives, the Spirit of God prays for us. When suffering comes into my life, the Spirit of God prays for me. By name. Personally. and he does it sometimes with such passion that it comes out with wordless groans i suspect that you know someone in your life who is fairly articulate don't you don't you have don't you have that person in your life that you you listen to them and you go wow i wish i could talk like that i wish i was i wish i was that articulate i wish i could Find the right word. I can never seem to find the exact right word till the, you know the moment's gone. And then I get the perfect thing to say. You know, but there's those people in your life they are just so articulate. They always know the right thing to say, and they have the right words to pick from. In the universe, who is more articulate than the Holy Spirit of God? Who can pull together words better than the Holy Spirit of God? In any language. Who is more articulate than the Holy Spirit of God? Nobody. And yet, when he looks at your life and he prays for you and he realizes all the good things and the hard things that are in your life, he is so moved by that and so passionate about the end result that he's praying for that sometimes he prays with wordless groans. Sometimes I look at the stuff, the hard things in my life, and I go, God, there are no words. Or I hear about hard things in the lives of others, and I go, God, there are no words for this. And I groan. And I find out that the most articulate being anywhere does the same. The Spirit of God is so passionate about the fact that He wants you to grow up in your faith in Christ to become more like Christ, to build that family resemblance toward Christ, that he prays for you with groans that words cannot express. And when he prays for you, he prays for your good, that you would be like Jesus. When Jesus was about to leave this world in John chapter 14, verse 16, he said, I'm going to leave you soon, but I'm going, when I go, I'm going to send you another advocate, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. The Holy Spirit prays for us. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us to God on our behalf. He's our advocate, and he prays for us with wordless groans. But that's not all. That's good. That's really good. But that's not all. Jump down to verse 31. Paul says, what, what then shall we say in response to all these things? He says, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So the Spirit of God prays for us with wordless groans. And then Paul says, and you know what? The Son of God prays for us. The Son of God who suffered for us prays for us. The Son of God who died for us prays for us. The Son of God who rose from the grave for us prays for us. The Son of God who ascended into heaven, who sat down at the right hand of God the Father Almighty prays for us. And he's seated in the chair right next to the Father. He's seated in the chair right next to the king. He's seated in the chair, which is reserved for the number one advisor. He's seated in the chair that gives him eternal access to the ear of God. And he's seated in a position where the father who is seeking to shape you and me into the image of Jesus, where the father never loses sight of the person he's trying to shape you to be like. He's at the right hand of God and he's in his ear praying for you. That's why Paul writes that we know that God works all things together for good for those who love God And for those who are called according to his purpose. Because while God works for those things. In all the events of our lives. The spirit of God is praying that that would happen. And the son of God is praying that that would happen. And that's good. Father I pray for us. I so much want that to happen in my life I so much want to see you shape Jesus into my life and I want it for the people here in this room I want it for the people in the family room I want it for the people that listen to the podcast later on I want that for us Lord I want it for the people of my community that they would become like Jesus how amazing would that be And so, Father, I agree with the prayers of your spirit and I I agree with the prayers of your son. We unite together to pray for this, that you would make us like Jesus. From wherever we are today to wherever we need to get to, to be like Jesus. And Lord, I'm grateful that you know what every one of those steps looks like. You know what every piece of work looks like that needs to go into our lives. So, Lord, thank you for that. We love you. We seek you out through Jesus, our Savior. Amen.